0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Pharmaceutical Executive Podcast. I'm Fran Polaro, Senior Editor at Pharmaceutical Executive, covering the sales and marketing vertical. In today's podcast, we're joined by Frank Watanabe, who has been leading Arcutis as a president since 2016 and CEO since 2017. For Arcutis, he co-founded Canon Therapeutics, served as a VP at Kyphio Pharmaceuticals, and held executive roles at Amgen and Eli Lilly. At Amgen, he contributed to the development of notable drugs like Ripatha, Amavig, and Engril. Ms. Monsunabi's background also includes U.S. Government and Navy Reserve Service. Frank, nice to see you. Good to see you. Okay. So let's begin by discussing Arcutus as it stands today, both in terms of its product offerings and the guiding principles that shape the company's mission. This will give our listeners a little bit of a comprehensive understanding of the value Arcutus delivers and the goals it aims to achieve.
1: Great. So maybe we'll start out with our products. Both our, our current product and our pipeline. So, we are a pure medical dermatology company. We currently have uh, one product that's approved by the FDA. It's a product called Zorive. It is indicated for the topical treatment of plaque psoriasis in patients down to the age of 12. And, uh, you know, I think very notably, it's the first drug, topical drug ever approved for the treatment of what are called intertriginous plaques. So, those are plaques in the areas of where the body, where the skin rubs together, like the groin, the armpit, uh, the inframammary creased, and under women's breasts. And those areas tend to be particularly sensitive to side effects with topicals, and so it's been a real struggle for doctors to treat that area, and so we studied our drug there. Beyond in and Plaxoriasis, we have filed a foam version of the same drug, uh, Reflumilast, for seborrheic dermatitis, and we just recently received word from the FDA that uh, they are targeting PDUFA action date of December 16th, so we're very excited about that. It's been literally decades since there was a new drug for seborrheic dermatitis, and that's a another disease that really impacts patients very profoundly. And then later this year, we'll file uh, two different concentrations of our, one, a different concentration, excuse me, of our cream for the treatment of eczema or atopic dermatitis, another very prevalent uh, inflammatory skin disease where there's still significant unmet needs. And then sometime after the approval for seborrheic dermatitis, we plan to file our foam for the treatment of scalp and body psoriasis as well. Scalp psoriasis being a very common area that plaque manifests on patients. Beyond our various topical flumilast programs, we also recently went into the clinic with a novel a topical JAK inhibitor. We're trying to treat alopecia areata topically. We've leveraged our own internal deep formulation expertise to develop a technology that we think allows us to deliver drug down the hair follicle, down to the bulb of the hair follicle where the inflammation occurs in the AA, and that could allow us to treat alopecia areata topically where others have failed. Uh, we also have a cream version of our JAK inhibitor, And then we acquired late last year, a company out of the UK called Ducentis, which has a very novel biologic. It's a a type of checkpoint agonist. So the opposite of the checkpoint inhibitors that many listeners are probably familiar with from oncology, checkpoint agonists actually reset activated immune cells. And so we're looking to, to develop that drug for also for atopic dermatitis and potentially for other autoimmune disorders. So, you know, very rich pipeline across a number of different diseases in the medical dermatology space. You know, in terms of how we got here, sort of our guiding principles, you know, I think the most important thing about Arcutis is we were actually created not with a drug or with a technology platform, but out of recognition of a need that dermatologists and their patients had for more innovation. You know, there's been a, an immense amount of innovation in the biologic space, the systemic space for dermatology. Uh, you think about the IL-23s, the IL-17s, the tnf alphas. as you mentioned, Enbrel, earlier, newer tick 2 inhibitors. And so a lot of developments for patients with more moderate severe disease. But for the majority of patients who have mild to moderate disease, there's been nothing. It has been a quarter of a century since there had been a new drug for psoriasis. I mentioned seborrheic dermatitis has been decades. So we saw this need to develop more innovative products and solve problems for dermatologists and their patients. And that was really the guiding principle that uh, that led to the founding of the company. And one of the first things we did was we hired the best topical drug formulator in the industry who has developed all of our drugs except for our biologic. And then we also hired a dermatologist, which I think that's critical. If you're going to run a dermatology company, you need to have a dermatologist, right? We now have eight dermatology clinicians at the company, including three board certified dermatologists. And then our original chief medical officer, that first dermatologist sits on the board. And that depth of experience in treating patients with skin diseases, having walked in the shoes of our customers, And I think it really gives us deep insights into what are the pain points for doctors and for patients and where do we need to focus on trying to develop new innovations for them. Beyond that, I think the guiding principle at Arcutis that our our first operating principle is the patient is paramount. We are a pharmaceutical company, a biotech company, but we are in the healthcare space. And we firmly believe that you always need to make decisions with the patient in mind, whether that's what drugs you're going to develop what indications you're going to pursue or you know more recently how we price our drugs so that patients can actually get access to our innovations and benefit from them. that's great
0: and you met, and you mentioned decades and a quarter of a century it's crazy to hear that right so why is that there was a consolidation that took place a while back right and and the- there was yeah tell me a little bit about that
1: we actually did a study about 5 years ago and over a 20 year period there have been 100 and 40 mergers and acquisitions in the dermatology space. Basically, they had all gotten rolled up in a couple of specialty pharmacy companies who weren't really investing in research and development. And then in parallel, you had companies like AbbVie and Amgen and Lilly and Pfizer, who were large diversified pharmaceutical companies that got into dermatology. But in many cases, their initial entree into dermatology was actually sort of through the back door. So Enbrel, for example, was originally developed for rheumatoid arthritis. And after we saw that it worked in rheumatoid arthritis, it dawned on us that it might also work in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. And so that became a bolt-on business. And that's true or was true for many of the big pharma companies where there wasn't a a strategic focus on dermatology. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you know, with this roll-up, there weren't the investments going into R&D to develop these innovations. And that, I think, led to this this sort of uh, dearth of innovation that we saw in dermatology over the last couple of decades. Interesting. So
0: how many pure derm companies are out there today? seems like it's pretty rare.
1: Yeah, there are not very many anymore. There are are really just a handful. uh, and, And if you talk about commercial stage companies, there are even fewer. I think you can probably count pure med derm companies at a commercial stage on one hand right now. Wow. Incredible. So you mentioned your focus
0: was on making difference for the patient. A lot of companies like to lead with that. And, you know, we're focusing on the patient. It's all about the outcomes, but often that gets lost. So can you tell me how you're, you're accomplishing
1: that at Arcutis? Yeah. So, I, you know, I think first and foremost, it, it it's important having those dermatology clinicians at the company. A number of the, our dermatology clinicians continue to practice a couple of days a month to keep them current. But, you know, they've walked in the shoes of the people that we're trying to serve and they've treated the people ultimately that we're trying to serve. And that gives us, I think, a depth of understanding that many companies that don't have dermatologists or don't have many dermatologists are lacking. I think beyond that, it's really important to constantly be talking with your customers and listening. I actually just came from on Saturday, a medical convention where all of the dermatology nurse practitioners, well, not all of them, a lot of the dermatology nurse practitioners in the country had gotten together for a medical education conference. And on the margins of that I had a chance to talk to probably 50 dermatology NPs, just sit down with them and, and hear about what their struggles and what their concerns were. You know, Some of them we can solve and some of them we can't, but that deep listening all the time, I think is really important. We also make it a practice of bringing in outside clinicians or a patients to talk to our staff at least every two or three months. And again, I think it's really important just to keep everyone grounded as to this is why we do what we do. And then, you know, you pull all that information in from the dermatology clinicians, from our visitors, from our our conferences, and then you make all of your decisions through the lens of what is going to make a difference for patients and dermatologists. And that really keeps us on the right path. You know, I've been in this industry a long time, and I think pretty much every biopharmaceutical company says patient is paramount or some version of that. But unfortunately, I think many times that gets lost in the race to create shareholder value or profits, or you know, sometimes we lose sight of those things. And so I think you, you, know, you constantly have to actively work to make sure that you keep grounded on why you're in the business that you're in. And again, you know, I mentioned earlier pricing. I think the, the whole issue of drug pricing is an area where we're, we frequently lose our way and forget what it is that we exist for as companies.
0: I agree completely. So where does this come from? This keen focus on the patient. Were there any experiences in your past that led you to really want to walk this road? And this is a two parter. So, and what's a good example of a really impactful drug that you worked on that you're really proud
1: of? A lot of my perspective probably comes from the fact that actually both of my parents were physicians. My father was a cardiologist and my mother was an obstetrician. And, you know, when I was growing up, one of the things that my father drilled into my head was that the most important thing was to leave the world a better place than you found it. And he lived his entire life by that ethos, even to the point of not making as much money as a lot of other people, because he felt like the work that he was doing was important. You know, he ended up being financially very successful later in his career, but a lot of his career was in pursuit of doing what he thought was right, not what he thought was going to be the most lucrative. And that had a huge influence on me, you know, and that you mentioned I spent time in the military and the government. And I think, you know, those are both very purpose driven organizations. And so that reinforced his focus on purpose rather than profits or purpose and profits maybe instead of just profits. And then throughout my career, I've had a chance to work on some fantastic drugs. I worked on Cyprexa for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. I worked on Enbrel, which was an amazing drug. You know, I think one of the drugs that I'm most proud of, although I think also in some respects it was the most challenging, was Repatha. Statins are fantastic, life-saving drugs. I think everyone should be on a statin. We should probably put them in the water, but they don't completely eliminate the risk of cardiovascular events, heart attack, stroke, uh, cardiovascular death, especially in patients who have advanced atherosclerotic disease. And so based on some very cutting edge uh, science at the time, Amgen started to develop this wonderful drug, Rapatha, which is an antibody against a, a protein called PCSK9 in your body. And through that development program, we were actually able to show that adding Rapatha to a statin further reduced the risk of cardiovascular death, stroke, heart attacks in patients that had advanced cardiovascular disease. We also did a really interesting study where we showed that if you got your LDL low enough, you could actually reverse the atherosclerotic process and shrink the plaques in the arteries. That was a fascinating study that the Cleveland Clinic did for Amgen, yeah, the Steves at Cleveland Clinic. So, really exciting, I think powerful drug. And you know, cardiovascular disease is still the number one cause of death in the United States, more than cancer. And you know, I think Repatha is a drug that's going to make a meaningful difference. Having said that, there were some mistakes in the pricing of Rapatha. initially. It was priced too high. It was too difficult to get. And a lot of patients who should have and could have benefited from the drug weren't able to get it. And that was a very painful experience for me personally. I felt like we had not fulfilled our mission. And I swore that you know if I had the chance to do it differently, I would. And so when we launched Zareev, Zareev isn't a life-saving drug, but it certainly is a life-changing drug. Right? If you have plaque psoriasis, it changes the entire way the world interacts with you. Right. You know, if you have diabetes or or heart disease or even cancer, people can't tell. Right. If you have plaque psoriasis, everyone can tell. And there's stigma, a huge impact on social interactions, on work productivity, the psychological health of the patients. And so we really are, are meaningfully changing people's lives with this drug. And we wanted to make it as, as available as we possibly could, you know, while still creating shareholder value and and covering our costs. And so we were very thoughtful about Zarif in such a way that we wouldn't incur unnecessary insurance restrictions and that the maximum amount of patients could obtain it. And so, for example, we're eight months into the launch and uh, we announced a couple of weeks ago that we had over 110 million lives, commercial lives in the United States covered uh, for Zarif. Over 90% of those patients without a prior authorization. That's a pretty remarkable feat for a branded product that quickly into the launch, you know, to have that wide access and have that high quality access where doctors don't have to fill out a bunch of unnecessary paperwork to get it. I'm also very proud of the fact that Arcutis decided to create a patient assistance program for underinsured and uninsured patients that don't have access to their commercial insurance, where if they're financially qualified, we give them free drug for a year at a time and they can continue to requalify for that. So, you know, th- those are some of the examples of our commitment to making sure our drugs were available. And, you know, I think the patient assistance program is another good example of us listening to clinicians. Not only did we know that the uninsured, underinsured were a problem, we also knew that the patient assistance programs were very challenging. And so we actually had one of our clinicians put together our patient assistance program so that it was easy for clinicians to use. Because, you know, the objective is to get drug to the patients who need it. And, you know, I think that program's been, been well-received and, and, you know, we have a number of patients now receiving freezer from Arcutis. That's amazing. Yeah. You're doing your due diligence
0: and just figuring out who needs to be served and getting it done. It's really, it's remarkable and it's, uh,
1: it's admirable. So, and I really believe that it's a false choice to choose patients versus profits, right? Particularly, you know, if it's a rare disease or an orphan disease, I get, you know, why you need to charge a lot for those drugs since there's so few patients. You know, I have some good friends who work at companies that there are a thousand patients a year that suffer from this disease, right? There are 8 million patients in the United States with psoriasis. There are 2 million patients in a dermatologist's office getting a topical drug, but right? that's a huge market for us to play in. And so you know, while we may not make as much on every tube, we still make money on every tube. We, we have to because we're a business and we need to pay our shareholders back, but by serving more people you know, we're both generating more profits ultimately, and we're helping more people. And I think so, you you know, if, if you think about it carefully, you can construct this in a way where you can serve both masters, both the patient and the shareholder.
0: That's great. So how are you approaching drug discovery and development going into, let's say the next five years? What's the plan?
1: So Arcutis actually doesn't do drug discovery per se. We are a drug development company. And so we have leveraged the discovery efforts of other people, Reflimolast was invented by a company called Altina in Germany many, many years ago, and it passed through a number of hands before we licensed it from AstraZeneca. Our JAK inhibitor was invented, discovered by a company in China called Jiangsu Hengre, and we licensed it from them. I mentioned the, the, our biologic that we bought from a company called Ducentis. And so we use our dermatology expertise and our understanding of the emerging science to identify biologically validated targets, you know, things that we already know work in dermatology, like PDE4, like jack inhibition, like CD200R. And then we go out and we find whoever has the best drug against that target and we license it from them. And that's been very successful. And it's allowed us to really bend the risk curve in drug development, drug discovery. A lot of your listeners probably know this already, but it takes a thousand or more new chemical entities you know, to get one on the market. And even by the time you get in the clinic, of small molecules fail at some point during clinical development, never make it out the door. And even at the big companies, right? This is just the nature of the drug business. And so you end up spending a lot of money and time, if you're in the drug discovery business, working on drugs that aren't ultimately going to work. Our strategy allows us to do it with substantially less risk and substantially less capital and has worked very successfully for our company so far.
0: All right, so let's get back to Zareev. Like, how is the launch going? I know it launched a few months back. How's it going? How's it looking?
1: We actually launched in mid August and the launch is going very, very well. You know, I think that whenever you're launching a new drug, the two things that are really critical are that uh, one, the, the product lives up to the promise that clinicians have been told to expect. And, you know, unfortunately, that sometimes doesn't happen, including in our space. That That is uh, an, an all too common occurrence where drugs don't deliver on the promise. And then the second thing is, is the doctor has to have a relatively positive experience in terms of getting the drug for their patients, right? If, you know, if they write it multiple times and it gets rejected every time, they eventually give up and go back to whatever they were doing before. And so we were very focused on both of those things, not overpromising promising on our clinical profile, but being honest with doctors about what we would, would offer clinically. And the feedback from doctors has been really outstanding you know, it, it has, uh, Zareev has the capability of treating the most difficult to treat plaques on the body, you know, including areas like the elbows and the knees, which are, are very challenging frequently. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, you know, we have the first indication for intertriginous plaques. I think that's been a real help to dermatologists because they never had good options for treating those areas of the body. And it's quite common, at least 15%. But, you know, we did a survey a number of years ago that indicated that about two and three psoriasis patients said that they had had intertriginous plaques at some point during their lives. And so, you know, doctors really were, were struggling with how to treat them. So we've been able to deliver on that promise. And the side effect profile of, of Zoriv is very, very favorable. And a clinical experience has been consistent with that. You know, we do have some low rates of some side effects like diarrhea, you know, single digit rates of diarrhea, nausea, headache, but um, it certainly has not been anything that's impaired the uptake of the product. And the local tolerability, I think, has been very positive. And then on the access front, you know, I mentioned that we already have about 110 million commercial lives covered, and you know, we have the patient assistance program as well. And so, doctors have not found our drug hard to get for their patients. And I think that combination then of really strong clinical profile and relatively easy access has given confidence to doctors to write. And so, we we have steadily grown. The feedback from doctors has been really positive. I've actually had the opportunity to talk to some patients and some parents of patients who've been on our drug as well. And, and that's incredibly gratifying to hear the success stories that patients are having personally with the drug. So we feel very good about it. We think, you know, it will continue to grow steadily. And, and you know, I think with the launch of potential launch of seborrheic dermatitis in the foam early next year, that's really going to take off because that's another area of very, very high unmet need and high dissatisfaction, frankly, with current treatments.
0: It's like, I can kind of empathize on a slight level. I get itchy skin in the winter, but I cannot imagine having one of these, one of these things and how it would affect your life. So who is the patient
1: and how do they deal with everyday life? Yeah. Because it seems like it's difficult. Yeah, it, it really is. The, the typical patient, it really varies from disease to disease. The psoriatic patients, you know, psoriasis frequently first presents in the twenties or the thirties. Uh, although it can present in very young ages. And we studied Zareev down to the age of two. In fact, we filed for approval with the FDA down to the age of two for Zareev and plaque psoriasis. We're currently indicated down to the age of 12. And it, it can be a lifelong disease. You can see patients who are quite old who continue to have it because it's an autoimmune process that you know we've never come up with a cure for. The itch is a major issue. And in fact, it's the thing that patients complain about the most. You know, doctors often will index on the scaling and the, the redness and the thickness of the plaques, but the itching is what drives patients crazy. And, you know, in our, in our phase three studies, the majority of patients, the overwhelming majority of patients were itchy. The average itch was seven on a 10 point scale. So think about that for a minute. It is unrelenting. It disturbs their sleep. It would be just maddening, right? You know, like I live in the mountains and I get dry skin in the wintertime and it's, it's a hassle, but imagine having it all the time. And seborrheic dermatitis is is equally itchy, and atopic dermatitis is probably the most itchy of all. In fact, dermatologists frequently refer to it as the itch that rashes. Sebderm patients tend to be a little bit older, although it can happen very young. And atopic dermatitis patients tend to be younger. In fact, the peak onset of atopic dermatitis is between the ages of one and five. My younger son had it when he was a very young kid. Fortunately, he outgrew it. But um, one of my very dear friends, her son has it on his face. He's a year old now. And, uh, you know, he scratches himself raw at night and, and, you know, she wakes up to blood in the crib. I mean, it's just a, a terrible burden for patients and, and for parents. And one of the remarkable things about Zareef is how impactful it is on itch. We showed, you know, across psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, and atopic dermatitis that we had a profound impact on itch. And in fact, we released data at the uh, American Academy of Dermatology meeting just recently that showed that we separated from our vehicle on itch in 24 hours so patients feel better almost immediately at least in atopic dermatitis and you know that makes a huge difference on their quality of life
0: yeah that's incredible not saving lives but like you're giving people a livelihood and that's a big deal you know i've had autoimmune disease in the past and you wish sometimes you wish you're like i don't know how i can live like this like that's yeah. a constant question that goes through these people's heads so absolutely it's great that you're you're in the business i'm a big admirer of the company and of Frank Watsonabi, thanks for being on the pod. It's uh, my pleasure.
1: Thank you very much. All right,
0: Frank. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter, at PharmExec, on Instagram, at PharmExecutive, and on YouTube, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of Farm Exec, its parent company, or adv- advertisers. For editorial questions or to get in touch with the editors, please email us at Farmexec at mjhlifesciences.com. For sponsorship o- opportunities, please go to Farmexec.com backslash advertise. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.